The question is, are you ready? This is The Drive with Josh Graham. On Sports Hub Triad. You are on a Monday drive where the reactions to Super Bowl 56 have been really strange today. I've seen more than a few people saying, it was boring. It was a dud. Where's all the scoring? Which surprised me, especially after last year's blowout. You'd think after watching Tampa Bay crush Kansas City, you'd take any close game that came down to the final two minutes, but I guess not. And it's only been four years since we saw that 13-3 rock fight. For me, that was a very satisfying Super Bowl because the right team won. That's what I find myself rooting for. When I watch games, I look at the talent on both sides. When I'm watching the game, I start thinking, who is the more deserving team of winning? And I want to see that team win in championship settings. It's what I want to see. I remember one time being really upset about how a Super Bowl ended up. It was the Giants-Patriots Super Bowl where Tyree had the catch and the Patriots had their first Super Bowl loss. I remember waking up in the middle of the night that night thinking, this is terrible. The Patriots were the best team all year. Patriots were probably the better team on that night, and they didn't win because of this freak catch by David Tyree. That's probably how I would have felt if Cincinnati ended up winning that game rather than Los Angeles. Because the Rams won it. They earned it. They were the deserving team. But I'll give a lot of credit to Cincinnati. The Bengals made them earn it. I was really impressed with Zach Taylor last night. That's the sign of a really good coach. Even when you're outmatched talent-wise, you still make the other team scratch claw, fight just to earn a win. That's what the Bengals did, and all the credit to them. The final drive was an absolute war. Fourth and one, giving the ball to Cup. That was Sean McVay's best play call of the night. They are pushing Cooper Cup. They are bracketing Cooper Cup. Ever since the injury to Odell Beckham, it was a lot easier to do that. So McVay had to figure out a way to get the ball in the hands of their best player, and that's what they did on that jet sweep, and they got the first down. A few plays later, Matthew Stafford's best throw. Go back and watch the replay of the slant that they threw right after that fourth and one. It might not look that special at first, but it was a no-look pass by Stafford. A no-look pass across the middle, threading it between two or three defenders because, again, Cincinnati's focusing so much on Cup in that spot, and it did not matter because of how well L.A. executed there. He was getting abused at the line of scrimmage, which is why I had no issue with the holding call. It's a defensive holding flag. Odds are McVay and the Rams coaching staff are riding the officials saying, when are you going to call this? I get it's the Super Bowl, but a flag is a flag. Every snap on that drive, particularly the early ones, Cooper Cup could not get a clean route regardless of how good he was. He couldn't get a clean break. He was getting abused at the line of scrimmage. Could they have kept the flag in the pocket? Sure. Yeah, do you want to let the players play? Okay, I can can deal with that. But was it a holding call? Yes. Did he grab the jersey? Yes. So I had no issue with them throwing that flag. Especially if anybody is saying, well, they gave the Rams the game on that call. Let's not forget the type of break Cincinnati got the first play of the second half where a blatant OPI was missed on T. Higgins, and that resulted in a touchdown. So even if it was in the referee's mind, this is a makeup, I'm cool with it considering what that previous call did. Cooper Cup made the plays when it counted most. They scored. Losing OBJ changed this game so much because, Robert, I had the feeling OBJ probably was on his way to winning the MVP, not Cooper Cup, if he didn't get hurt. 
Yeah, especially the way their defense was was playing the Rams' offense, right? Like you already mentioned, they were bracketing. They were really bullying Cooper Cups. I mean, that allowed Odell to get open, and that probably would have still happened because he would have been on uh, the eventual Super Bowl MVP, in my opinion, Eli Apple. And uh-huh. they would have been on him to cover Odell all yeah. game. Yeah, and <laughs> he was going off, but then when he goes down, you start looking around. You're like, okay, so we got Cooper Cup. Then we have, oh, we don't have... OBJ, and we don't have Robert Woods, and we don't have Tyler Higbee, and Van Jefferson's distracted this entire second half because his wife just got stretchered off and sent to the hospital having their child. Okay, we're, let's throw the ball to Skoranek. Then they throw it his way, and it's off his fingertips, and it gets picked off. They're not in a great spot from a receiving perspective, which is why what Cup did is so amazing. But even with all that, if you want to say, oh, well, that call decided the game. No, it didn't. It's a minute and a half left to go. Cincinnati has the ball. First play, Jalen Ramsey did not have a, have a fun night in the game. He, I don't know what he was doing. Taking two steps forward, then it goes over his head, and Jamar Chase is able to sprint off for 12 yards. They have it at midfield. And how fitting is this? In a game that the Rams get seven sacks in it, which ties a Super Bowl record. Aaron Donald comes up big on third down and on fourth down. The best defensive player of our generation, of this generation, making the plays when they matter most to win his first Super Bowl. That was satisfying to me because the best players for the best team were rewarded, and it was a close game. The Bengals made it earn, made them earn it. I, I loved everything about that Super Bowl. I think that was one of the toughest MVP discussions that, that has been had in the Super Bowl for a long time. Because usually you can pinpoint, ah, Tom Brady's going to win it. Ah, the quarterback's going to win it. But in that one, I thought two non-quarterbacks and Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup both deserved MVP. Maybe if he got the sack on that last play. Sure. Way, as somebody who he got really, the pressure. <laughs> as somebody that was really focused on the tackles total for Aaron Donald, him finishing at four when the over-under was four and a half, not a lot of fun. So if he would have finished at five, you would have gave him That's the right. MVP. Give that guy. Give that guy the MVP. MVP him. Going to make that a verb. That's what we're going to do here. Your thoughts on Super Bowl 56. On Twitter at WSJS Sports 336-777-1600. The game of the weekend in the ACC was in Winston-Salem, and it was a close game. And what we've learned with Wake basketball this year, when it's close, Wake's going to win it. Going into Saturday, seven and two in games decided by single digits and three and zero in overtime. They're facing Miami, and Wake Forest did not win. Miami seventy six, Wake Forest seventy two. Being there and sitting there behind the basket, it looked like to me that I don't want to say the Deacons were complacent. That seems to be too strong of a word, but I will say that they got too comfortable against Miami. That's as far as I will go. The Deeks were in control most of the day. Aside from the first two minutes of the first half, they led every minute of the first half, and they led by as many as 13 points in the first half. Then in the second half, cruising along, up by six, when the floor falls out, and Miami goes on a 10-0 run, suddenly you're having to scramble. And you're starting to fight. And Wake Forest did fight. And it went back and forth. But they opened the door to Miami. And that was a frustrating thing for Steve Forbes to watch. This was Forbes after the game talking about the frustrations of that loss. Yeah, I'm disappointed. I told him that. It's not, I mean, we haven't accomplished anything. You know, um, there's a lot of season left. Okay, we're not in the NCAA tournament. We haven't got a, a, a seed in the um ACC tournament. Those are all left to be earned. And uh, you can't lose at home. And they did. Forbes said that they were outplayed. I asked them, or outworked. They didn't play as hard as Miami did. I asked him the last time he felt that way leaving a game. He said, this is probably the first time this year I felt that. So why didn't they close? What was different? Well, Jake LaRavia fouled out with four minutes remaining. Bad fouls, too. Offensive foul in the first half, that hurt him. And then he sat for a little while, and they put him back in with four and a half minutes left to go, 
and immediately Laravia picks up his fifth, and he's out of the game. Got to be a little smarter than that. Miami, it didn't so much hurt Wake offensively because Zay Musius came up big, hit some threes, and they were suddenly making it the free throw line, and Alondis was able to get to the rim. But defensively, they really missed Laravia. They missed Laravia, and Miami got whatever they wanted at the rim. Overall, the Deeks were just careless. Wake Forest got too comfortable. Seven turnovers for Alondis Williams. This was the stat of the game. So Wake had 17 turnovers altogether, which led to 19 points off turnovers for Miami. Wake Forest had zero points off of turnovers. Zero. And they missed five free throws in a game that they lost by four. It was a missed opportunity for the Demon Deacons. And I think some point during that game, they, they got a little comfortable. Let's go to Kevin in Burlington who wants in on the show on Super Bowl 56. Obviously, we'll be spending a lot of time talking about this game. Ellis Williams will join us, Panthers beat writer, in about 20 minutes to continue talking football. But what do you got for us, Kevin? Well, first, I wanted to give you props on your prediction. You were almost dead on it. Twenty, I think you said 24-20. Yep, 23-20, um, obviously the final. So blind squirrels yeah, find nuts my, every now and then. Yeah, my 41-37 uh, <laughs> didn't pan out. But Nixon did have a good game, and that four-point uh, – Cincinnati spread was looking pretty good up until Cooper's catch. But anyway, um, with uh, Brad, with Brady and Stafford, you know, two different spectrums. One, you know, Brady, the ultimate winner, and, you know, Stafford coming from Detroit. But both of these guys go to a team one year, they win a Super Bowl. Now you got people like Rodgers, Wilson, dare I even say Matt Ryan, all these vets out here. I can see a new trend with GMs being like, okay, maybe we don't have to do it through the draft as much. And this ain't new. You could go back to Plunkett, Doug Williams, Trent Dilfer, Brad Johnson, maybe even Drew Brees, you know, reclamation projects, if you will. But this is different. It does feel different, and I appreciate the call, Kevin. I was getting a text this morning. Is this bad for the NFL? Guys like OBJ forcing themselves out and going somewhere and – Jalen Ramsey doing something similar. It's seeming a little bit like the NBA. Now that it's happening with quarterbacks, I think that's a more interesting discussion. But the big difference between the NFL and NBA, one guy isn't going to change the entire dynamic of your team. The LA Rams were a quarterback away because they had so many other talented players around. And if they didn't have all of that, it probably would not have been as attractive to Matthew Stafford to, to go there. Probably. Yeah, he's weird. Yeah, I get it. The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. I couldn't help but have this thought as I was watching the final seconds pick off. Matthew Stafford, kneel it out. Aaron Donald got that final stop. What is David Tepper thinking watching the Rams win the Super Bowl? The richest owners in the football league as of right now. The richest owners in the NFL. David Tepper and Stan Kroenke. Stan Kroenke able to move the team from St. Louis to L.A., got his new stadium, got a Super Bowl. You know, he pushed all his chips in the center of the table, and we saw what it amounted to. First-round picks be damned. And... On the other side, Cincinnati, which figured things out at quarterback, and it didn't matter how bad their offensive line was, they still were able to get there. Carolina has a pretty bad O-line. And David Tepper's thinking, I'm a pretty ambitious owner. What are some of the things I can get done? And I wanted to discuss this with somebody who covers the team a little bit closely, more closely than we do. And Ellis Williams joins us now, Panthers beat writer from the Charlotte Observer. I don't know if you had this thought at all, but I couldn't help but think of it as I look ahead to the Panthers offseason. Do you think either the Bengals or Rams might give David Tepper any crazy ideas? Well, what what you're teasing there is impatience, right? These are the richest owners in in the league, as you said, and they want results as soon as possible. Um, So crazy ideas, I don't know if I'm willing to go that far, but I am starting to think it could accelerate or solidify what Carolina wants to do 
at pick six. I have been hearing offensive line. I think offensive line makes the most sense when I think about myself. And then as I talk to, again, you know, uh, scouts and league executives and, and these NFL draft guys who do this stuff for a living, everyone leans was leaning offensive linemen. But now as you see what has gone and transpired in the playoffs, as you see the story of the Cincinnati Bengals going from worst to first, uh, selecting Joe Burrow first overall just two years ago, and this quick turnaround. Is it sustainable? Is it replicable? That's a deeper conversation. But what has crystallizes none of it's possible without the young star quarterback and is that guy in this draft the reason i started this answer saying i was leading offensive lineman at pick six was because it was believed to this, this quarterback is not in the draft there's not a joe burrow in this draft and that probably still is true today on the morning on the monday after the super bowl but that doesn't mean you are not going to fall in love with the upside of someone like Malik Willis and start talking. If you're David Tepper, start talking yourself into grabbing the quarterback at six and letting the offensive line figure itself out, or at least putting off another year because now that seems like the Bengals' plan, right? They could have drafted Penny Sewell a year ago. They go Jamar Chase, keep loading up on offense after getting the quarterback, after getting T. Higgins, after having Joe Mixon. And I could name a lot of Panthers' offensive weapons that are similar to what the Bengals have. The difference is the quarterback, and now the Panthers, after passing a year ago on a guy, have another chance to land that rookie signal caller. And now I'm starting to think it's more likely they lean that way, just based off what Joe Burrow has done for the Bengals, a team that hadn't been to the Super Bowl since 1988. He's on Twitter at Book of Ellis. Shoot him a follow if you haven't already. Panthers beat writer from The Observer. Read his pay, uh, his work in the pages of The Observer or online at Charlotte Observer. Dot com. You're talking about quarterback through the draft at number six. My first thought was, well, given the way L.A. has kind of mortgaged their future and giving away first-round draft picks in the future to figure out some answers on offense, why not go that path? Do you think there's a chance Carolina might take a look at the Houston Texans and say, hey, if Deshaun's not going to play for you, why not play for us? Yeah, I, I think that's probably already happening. Um, you know, we're at a time, just at this time a year ago, the Panthers and Detroit Lions thought they had a deal for Matthew Stafford solidified. My colleague, Jonathan Alexander, wrote a great story on that on the uh, eve of the Super Bowl. And it turned out that by the time the team lands from Mobile back uh, into Carolina, that they have now become second fiddle to the Los Angeles Rams and Matthew Stafford's head of the and we, we see how it ends. Um, but I then I had a counterpiece examining the Bengals and how they came to be, and again, it, it starts with quarterback. So they're, the Carolina's really in a similar spot that they were a year ago, despite you know 365 days going by. They need to find that quarterback. They're going to explore every angle to find that guy. But it sounds like they were closer a year ago than they are now as this quarterback market isn't really transpiring. You know, Deshaun Watson's still covered in, in legal problems. The Packers seem hell-bent on keeping Aaron Rodgers around. Derek Carr has a, a new offensive mind and Josh McDaniels. You know, Jeremy, Jimmy Grapple doesn't really seem like the guy. Uh, Kirk Cousins has $45 million, uh, reasons to stay in Minnesota because that cap hit is so high. So, as you go down the list, it, it, and maybe Russell Wilson's the one guy who may be made available, um, but, you know, that sounds like the long shot. So as you go down the list of veterans, nothing, no dominoes are really falling yet compared to a year ago at this time. They're already getting a trade on the table, uh, which then brings me back to the draft. Either way, they're going to have to find their quarterback because uh, another year Sam Darnold isn't going to cut it. Cooper Cup won Super Bowl MVP last night, and as somebody who studies the game as closely as you do, I'm interested in what you believe Cooper Cup's best trait to be as a receiver because when you think about some of the all-time greats, it's just the sheer strength and power of a guy like T.O. It's the outright physicality as well of a guy like Randy Moss, sheer speed from Jerry Rice. What When you watch Cooper Cup, obviously the numbers are staggering, but what about his game stands out to you? Yeah, I think it is uh, the simple answer is how Cooper runs routes at the pro level. 
the the more nuanced answer is his dedication to the craft of route running to the uh optics that need to be played in order to be a, a superb route runner i'm talking you know when he has short motion towards the line of scrimmage before the snap and it looks like he's going to go in and and run block because Sean McVay and the Rams have him as such an integral part of their running scheme. Uh, and then he works into a linebacker only to break up, keep his head down, and then perfectly make a 45-degree angle to the corner of the back pylon for, for a, a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Uh, it's if he's running a, a fade on the outside and he can, he'll sell slant to the last second and open up for a, a fade stop in the back of the end zone. So it's his dedication to the the details of route running that then maximize his elite quickness, his elite size, his elite speed. He does have those all those traits, let's be very clear, but he's so fine-tuned in the everything about a route that happens before the ball's even in the air near your hand. On Twitter, at Book of Ellis, charlotteobserver.com, it is Ellis Williams joining us, Panthers beat writer here on The Drive. The halftime show, getting a lot of attention. Yeah. It depends on where you check, right? I, I, I flipped on Twitter, and everybody says it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Then I turn on Facebook, and there's a lot of people saying, I can't understand the words from a lot of people that you know look like sliced bread. Ah, ha, ha. Good joke there. Ellis Williams joining <laughs> us. Good. All right. Do you remember a more well-received halftime show, at least in the era of Twitter, than last night's? Mm, that's a really good question. I would say I'm from Minnesota, so I feel like the, the Prince halftime show is always talking about. I'm not sure if Twitter was around. No, no. Nah, nah, see, I purposely, I purposely set the parameters so that way it's after 2007. So... The first yeah, of this okay. would probably be around like 2009 where The Who is performing and Sean Payton's hearing Teenage Wasteland and concocting a player sure, to have the sure. onside kick. Okay, then then I have to go to um, one of Beyonce's probably was pretty well received wow. uh, when Brittle Mars showed up. Uh, even even the year, was this only a, a year ago when uh, Jennifer Lopez and like Shakira were up there? Yeah, that was two years like ago. Yeah, I feel like that one got great reviews, too. So, like Twitter, we tend to be the, in a, a prisoner of the moment. And just because it happened immediately, it's the greatest. Um, last night was incredible. Uh, they matched, the, of course, the scene, the, the, the location with the artist perfectly, the legends of, of hip-hop in L.A. I thought that there were maybe one too many people in the show. Like you, you, The best parts of the show were when Dre and Snoop were up there. And they, Who are you they cutting out? All right, say so you got to trim it up. See, this is like a director. Ellis Williams is trying to he, – he has a movie that's too fat. It's two hours and 40 minutes. He needs to cut 15 minutes out of, uh, of fat out of it where the producers are going to get mad at him. What are you cutting out of the show? I know I was scared of that question. I had a friend ask me that last night, and I didn't have a great answer. So I've had about you know twelve hours to sleep on and think about it. You either you do one of two things: you either make Eminem a larger part of the show, or you take him out completely. Because that was the only part of the show that I feel like just didn't really mix. Like we got "Lose Yourself," and then he wasn't really a part of it. I know how they brought him in with the "Forgot About Dre," but we didn't really. I would have rather seen that song. We didn't really get that moment. So either give me more of M. Or leave him out because I I would say Kendrick, but then you're taken away from the the LA scene. I have a thought. You want to hear it? Go for it. Yeah. Did we need a second Mary J song? I know. I was. I was. I get that. I get that. I just would be too scared to tell like my auntie that or something, and and have to deal with the ramifications of that because that is the queen. Though she predates me slightly. Um, I, I was thinking about my auntie in that situation. I couldn't, I couldn't say that to her, so I'm not going to put that out there. But I understand where you're coming from. Ellis, it's good that we, uh, we've done this. been reading you the last year or so, and, um, yeah, you do a great job on the Panthers beat on Twitter at Book of Ellis. We'll have to get you on more regularly. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, I'd be happy to come on anytime, man. Thanks again. That is Ellis Williams, someone that you definitely should be getting a follow on social media if you follow all things Panthers. That guy's pretty plugged in, even though he's only been here. For a short period of time. Later this week, our show is going to be out at the Winston-Salem Fairgrounds for the ACC Hockey League Championship. Tickets are on sale. Ticketmaster.com slash ACCHL 
dash championship dash tournament. You can find that tournament passes for all three days are available and very affordable prices. So if you like hockey, as I do, go out to the Winston-Salem Fairgrounds. ACC Hockey League Championships, fourth consecutive year at the Annex. I've been there before, and it's a really good time. We're going to be out there Friday night. Excited to do so. Let's move things along here. Did social media kill Super Bowl commercials? Like, it doesn't seem... It seems like... Those things coincide with each other. I had that thought as Ellis was talking about some of the halftime shows. We'll get into that and a potential at-large elimination game in the ACC tonight next on The Drive. Dude, you are so money, but you don't even know it, but you do. This is The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. the last few minutes off the top of my head I started compiling my favorite Super Bowl commercials from last night broad question asked it after we chatted with Ellis Williams of the Charlotte Observer has social media killed Super Bowl commercials Robert Walsh I am the wrong person to ask uh as you know, I was in Nashville this weekend. Uh, we had a wild night Saturday, so I, I was in front of the band speakers, so I was having a little trouble hearing. So I go to the airport, and I was supposed to fly during the Super Bowl. Keeps getting delayed, keeps getting delayed, so I finally get to watch the game. The speakers on the TV, for whatever reason, uh, were turned up to the max, and I still could not hear it. So I didn't get to hear any commercials. I didn't get to hear I had to watch the halftime show today once I got to work. That sounds miserable. It, it was not great. I, I was like the old man with the horn in his ear, like trying to pick up any ounce of sound from the TV. So if you find me talking a little louder today, it's because uh, I am a little uh, hard of hearing. Then I might be better suited talking to the audience than talking to you about this. 336-777-1600 if you had any thoughts on the commercials. My theory is this, though. Even though you weren't able to hear it on Sunday... I'm sure you've seen some of these commercials populate your social media feeds leading up to the game. That's what they do now. Where they're not big reveals anymore because that was on Twitter three days before the game happened. And I try to avoid those. I don't like being spoiled. So when I saw Peyton Manning in a bowling alley on my Twitter feed and it looked like a Super Bowl ad, I stayed away from it. But then when I saw Peyton in the Big Lebowski-like ad, kind of took away from some things. You know what? I'm just going to blow through my top five here. My five best commercials from last night. Number five. And I'll start with that bowling ad. Mikola Blotra. You've got, it is Big Lebowski-themed. That's why you got Steve Buscemi running the bar. Alex Morgan, it took a second watch for me to figure out it was Alex Morgan, and it helps when her bowling ball is painted like a soccer ball. Oh, that's Alex Morgan. Why? Because she has the bowling ball that's a soccer ball. That makes sense. Serena Williams rolls up wearing the outfit that, uh, did he have a last name in the Big Lebowski? Jesus? The one that licks the bowling ball, John Turturro's character? I don't think so. Nobody bleeps with the Jesus. That that was Serena, which was a nice role for her. I'm a big fan of all things Manning, so that's number five on my list. Number four. Paul Rudd and Seth Rogen, Lay's commercial. I'll watch anything those guys do. And it's them getting put into tough situations and all those tough situations coincided with them having Lay's potato chips. Like when they got apparently trapped. Silence of the Lambs style. Is that the movie I'm thinking of? Yeah, it is Silence of the Lambs. Buffalo Bill. Rub the lotion on the skin. That is that movie, right? Yeah, Silence okay. of the Lambs. Uh-huh. I also love how Seth Rogen has like... 
replace James Franco with Paul Rudd in his life just because James <laughs> Franco is a little uh, too hot to handle right uh-huh. now. Paul Rudd, who, and who, who dislikes Paul Rudd? Right. You would never believe that guy's 50 years old, by the way. No, you want it. He's now in his mid-50s. Paul Rudd, Seth Rogen, Lay's ad. That's number four. Number three. This is going to be controversial. The Coinbase ad, it worked. Think about it. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, that's the one where it hits perfectly in the corner, right? It, no, no, no. It's just all it is is the QR code bouncing around the screen. Yeah, that's and it, all it is for 30 seconds. But it hits the corner perfectly. Was sure. the was the deal? Because remember on the DVD wait screens, like it would bounce around, and you'd watch it and wait. Like, oh, is it ever going to hit the corner? I didn't even think of that. You're telling me it hit the corner? I that's what I saw on social media. But I do remember looking up when this was on, and I was like. Hey, like your TVs are on a screensaver. Can somebody like get the game back on? And then it was a, it was the ad. Think about this. If you thought that's a bad commercial, I just have this question for you. What is the purpose of a commercial? What is it? To be memorable and for you to seek out what their product is. And I'll tell you what. I know what Coinbase is now. All these commercials, by the way, seem like they're crypto. 50% of them seem like they're crypto commercials. This was an effective ad, and it probably should be higher up than what's number two on this list. Number two. But I have Larry David's ad at number two. But here's the thing. I don't know what it's for. It's a crypto commercial, but I don't know what company it is, but I know Coinbase. Why? Because I... Like an idiot, like a monkey being told what to do, just decided to zoom in my my camera and get the get the QR code, and I went to the Coinbase ad. So I know what it is. That's why it was affected. The Larry David ad. Is there any other actor who's more perfect for that commercial than him? And see, I saw it on the screen, and I saw him as like Moses or, or, or like yeah. the ark behind someone, him. Someone walked up to him, hey, here's the wheel. He's like, eh, it's never going to catch on. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I was like, oh, man, like I bet that commercial's great, but I had no clue what Thomas was going Edison on. Thomas Edison turns on the light bulb. Eh, you got candles. <laughs> I, I think it's a miss. Someone walks up. This is the best one. So they walk up, it's like, here is the fork. I got 10 forks right here, baby. <laughs> I, I got to get one. I got 10. You know what? You could pull it up on the computer right now. I think we're allowed to play some of these. I think we could play 30 seconds of something. I want to hear your real life, real-time reaction to Larry David. This is probably the best one that's not visual. Jokes are not visual. So it's number two. Number one. The Anna Kendrick Barbie commercial. I don't even think it's close. This is the best commercial because it's for Rocket Mortgage and it's Barbie learning how difficult trying to buy a house is in modern day times. <laughs> I bet that was great. No, it's like Barbie's crying. He's oh, because other other kids have other characters and it's it's price gouging Carl. Or <laughs> here's <laughs> Yeah, it's best offer Betty, and it's you get Barbie still gets the house because she has Rocket Mortgage and it sets her rate. And then they go, well, there's still a pretty good place right across the street, and it's an evil layer of people. It's it's a great ad. Let's listen to the Larry David ad real quick. I call it the wheel. I don't think so. <laughs> this is a miss. Brother David, behold! It's a fork! I got dead forks right here, baby! <laughs> a toilet? We're not the animals! We go outside like humans! Hancock! No king! The people shall have the right to vote! Even the stupid ones! <laughs> <laughs> Edison, can I be honest with you? It stinks. Nobody's going to the moon, ever! Why not? It's fine! <laughs> you always be looking for matter. Like I was saying, it's FTX. It's a safe and easy way to get into crypto. Yeah, I don't think so. And I'm never wrong about this stuff. Never. 
<laughs> it's pretty good. FTX, I guess, is the ad. That is pretty good. That's not bad. A great way to use him, too, especially if you're a fan of Curb and you get the whole humor of it. It's pretty, pretty, pretty good. Tonight, speaking of things that are pretty, pretty, pretty good. Oh, I forgot to say, there's one commercial I hated. One commercial I thought was just terrible, brutal. I am anti-meta, the metaverse and all this stuff. I think it's stupid. I don't like it. Call me an old man yelling, yelling at the clouds. That's fine. But this commercial, Robert, was about this character. It clearly was based off the Chuck E. Cheese furry characters that they have that play in a band. And it's like this furry creature no longer is in business because things get shut down. And then this guy's now looking for a job, this furry creature. And then he gets thrown into a trash heap and he almost gets killed. And it's depressing. It's like Toy Story 3. Yeah, it sounds like Freddy Fazbear's. Like a and video then, game. so this guy was hitting rock bottom, this furry creature, until he was given an Oculus. And now he has a second life and things are great. What type of message are you sending there, Meta? Are you trying to say, you know what? Your life's going to crap. Don't try to make things better in the real world. How about you just have a fake world, a meta? That's what we're going to do. I bet it was very appealing to the furry population. Hated it. People who like to dress up as furries are probably like, oh, Do you oh, have that meta. drop in your computer? Oh, uh, hated it? Yeah, I got you. Uh-huh. Hated it. Hated it. That's, that's the one commercial I didn't like. Mad depressing. The ones I can't wait to go back and watch. Uh, I saw the Arnold being Zeus commercial. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Jim Carrey. I was disappointed I missed the Jim Carrey cable well, guy. I, I'd hope you want to go back and watch the Barbie Rocket Mortgage commercial. I'll, che- I'll check it out, one. too. I'll probably watch a comp tonight. You're on the drive with Josh Graham. Buckle up, because the ride just gets wilder. And now on WSJS Sports. <laughs> It seemed like half the commercials last night were crypto-related. But conveniently, I don't think any of those commercials brought up this story involving Odell Beckham Jr. earlier this year. Where Odell took his $750,000 salary, so 750 k salary from the LA Rams, in Bitcoin. He decided to do that, and that didn't go so well. For Odell, it was reported in the last month that with things sliding down for Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies having some issues with the market, he was set to make only $35,000 from what was supposed to be $750,000. I don't know what percentage that is. But when you're set to make 750k and you only make 35k, that is devastating. Then Odell comes out of the game, Robert, and catches the first touchdown. It looks like Cincinnati doesn't have an answer for him. So Cooper Cup has to be your primary concern, but then if you're so concerned about Cooper, then what do you do with Odell? It didn't look like Cincinnati had an answer until Odell went down with an injury. And it's been reported today that it's believed to be an ACL tear. And it comes at a terrible time because, again, it was a one-year contract for Odell. How old is he now? 29? Odell's 29 years old. Yes. Late 20s, early 30s. And now he's he needs to find a team to believe in him. That he's going to come back from this injury. It's his second ACL tear of his career. And it comes after he had a true prove-it deal that only gave him $35,000, expecting seven hundred fifty k, And you lose out on a chance to potentially be the Super Bowl MVP as well. I felt terribly for Rodell Beckham Jr. last night. He did have a really good shot. And it completely changed the game when he went out. Because suddenly, it wasn't just Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham Jr., it was it was just Cooper Cup. And 
until the final drive, Cup was held pretty quiet. And the LA Rams were punting quite a bit in the second half. They just bracketed him and pushed him off the line of scrimmage because who else are you going to throw to? When you throw to Skoranek, the rookie out of Notre Dame, it goes off his fingertips and it gets picked off. When you throw Van Jefferson's way on a 50-50 ball, it gets picked off as well by former Demon Deacon Jesse Bates. Higby's out. Robert Woods is out. Also, Van Jefferson might have been distracted because at halftime, his wife got stretchered out of the building because she was going into labor getting set to have a child. You can't tell me Van Jefferson wasn't thinking about that at all in the second half. The Rams won the game, but it really changed the game when Odell went out of it. This is pretty cool. We checked in with my brother on Friday, who's a Ram season ticket holder, and he told us he spent about four grand for a ticket to get into the Super Bowl yesterday. And he was really excited. Well, now he's on the line with us again. My brother from Los Angeles, Jordan Graham, joins us now to talk about his experience at Super Bowl 56. Hey, Jordan. What's up, Josh? How are you feeling today? Dude, what about that Super Bowl, man? I mean, it wasn't that the Super Bowl we all deserved. I mean, I mean, last year's Super Bowl, how terrible of a Super Bowl. Good for Brady, but this is the Super Bowl that we all deserve. Yeah. What a great game, man. I mean, that last drive, um, we were speechless after, after the game because that last drive, when... All the options the Rams had, OBJ, we have, we're, we're, we're using a third-string tight end. We, our running game isn't working. Van Jefferson can't get in a groove. And Sean McVay's like, you know what? We're going to try to get Cooper Cup open, but even if he isn't open, we're just going to throw it to him anyway. And Stafford and Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup ran the ball on a fourth and one and converted it. And, two, and Matthew Stafford threw him a no-look pass. Amazing. He stared at the tight end, and he threw it right down the middle of the field with three players around Cup. And then that was just a magical, magical drive. Okay. So how did you celebrate after the game? Well, dude, right when the game ended, um, it, the confetti's falling down. And then instantly, like a wave, went through the stadium of marijuana smoke. <laughs> California came alive. And everybody was celebrating. We, um, people were like... Uh, are you, know, you sure that wasn't just Snoop Dogg? Are you sure that didn't just come from Snoop Dogg's box? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if... if he lit one up at the end of that game as well. Yeah, I mean, I mean well, we saw him at halftime. Like, it was just, dude, everybody was, was ecstatic. Everybody was hugging and, um, you know. Uh, but at that point, Jordan, people. it's it's only like 6.30, 7 o'clock Pacific. What do you do with the rest of your night? The Rams win the Super Bowl. You just you dropped a pretty penny to be there. What else do you do? Man, at the end of the game, I, I can only speak for myself, but I was exhausted, man. Um, I was literally, I mean, I've been, I've been at the game for two hours before it starts. We're yelling. Our voices are, go, are going hoarse. I mean, dude, most of the people, like, I mean, people were outside cheering. Um, Bengals fans. You know, they, they showed up. I, you have to give them props. They showed up. They probably had a majority of fans at the stadium, and they were all very, very um, vocal. Um, but, dude, I went home. I took a shower, and I crashed. <laughs> How much did a beer cost at Super Bowl 56? You know, surprisingly, the beers were cheaper than they normally are. I don't know if that's a sponsorship or some kind of deal, but... They got a um, well. That's good. Beers um, during the game were thirteen dollars, and they're usually like sixteen, seventeen dollars on a normal game. What a bargain! As they said, I think in forty-year-old version, it's it's thirteen-dollar beer night. Jordan Graham, 
with us here. It's my brother in L.A. He was at the Super Bowl last night. What's something we might not be able to appreciate watching on television in terms of what the experience is like actually being there? You know, that, especially the halftime show, something you realize when you see it live and then you go back and watch the watch it on the, the broadcast is you really understand how, like when I saw the halftime show live, I was like, this is okay. And I, I, I wasn't like, I was reading on Twitter, people were saying best halftime show of all time. I'm like, I'm not really sure about that. But then when I went home and I watched it and saw kind of what the um, framing was and the, the, the choreography and the direction, I was like, yeah, this is freaking awesome. Like Snoop, like rapping on top of this house and like uh, them just like owning LA. Like this thing, it, it, it was way, way better when I rewatched it um, back home. But when you're there, you're kind of, you see the whole thing and you're, you're not really getting the spectacle when you're watching it on TV. But dude, the thing about the Super Bowl, it's like any game you've gone to times 10 times a hundred because everybody there is super happy to be there. You're like at Disney world. Everybody's having a great time, but everybody, even the security, they all just want to watch the game as well. Everybody's relaxed and trying to have the best game experience of their lives. And that was really the energy the whole day. What was the highlight of the halftime show? Oh, I really, really liked um, when uh, they revealed uh, 50 Cent upside down. So that let me ask you this. This, this is like, a great question wow. because, okay, on television, I immediately see, oh, that's 50 Cent, and he's hanging upside down, and this is fantastic. Uh, in the stadium, how long did it take you to figure out? Obviously, it's a 50 Cent song that's starting to play. Oh, that's 50. Well, dude, I was born in 1991. It doesn't take maybe a second of hearing that song. In the club? Reminiscing about my eighth grade school dances to know that that song is a 50 cent song and things are about to go down. Do people dance? Are people dancing in the stands? Yeah, people are dancing in the stands. Everybody, most, everyone's got their phones out. The guy, there's a guy who um, walked up next to me. He was like, "Hey, man, can I get you to record the halftime show?" I'm like, "Dude, I'm recording the halftime show on my phone." He's like, "Yeah, that that was just BS. I just wanted to strike a conversation with you because technically I'm supposed to be working, but um, I want to watch this halftime." Explain, show. explain to me the thinking on why you're recording the halftime show on your phone. I just want to get a couple, a couple like the start of it, and then um, maybe um, like when Kendrick goes up, I want to get that. But I'm not like recording the entire thing. Like, okay. Yeah, I mean. There are those people where I need to get these YouTube views, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it up as if they're going to outmatch the YouTube views of, I don't know, the televised product that they threw up there an hour after it happened. Yeah, and like I said, everyone watching it on TV – had an infinitely better experience than anybody at the stadium. But the, the brilliance of it is that everybody who saw it live goes back and they watch it on video, and then they then they remember it way more fondly than it actually was. I hear that. Jordan, congratulations to you and your L.A. Rams, Super Bowl champions. Uh, it's good to hear from you. I'm really happy for you, and I'm sure a lot of people in the triad are too. Man, thank you, um, dude. It was. I just want to say, the Rams had a really great season. I'm really grateful to be a football fan, and um, they, you know, when I moved out here, the Rams came to LA. Right when I moved out here, when I became a fan, a season ticket holder, they hired Sean McVay, and then I go to the Super Bowl, and they finally win it. It's a perfect, happy ending. That's so Thanks, great. Man. Yeah, no doubt. See you later. That's my brother, Jordan Graham, joining us from L.A. Another thing I think that's lost on, like, 
Because it, at one point it was cool to bash people for recording entire concerts when Snapchat came out. Because that was a thing. Like you, you'd hop on Snapchat, look through the stories, and then somebody goes to any concert, they're going to put up seven million clips of it. Yeah. But the thing that's lost in it now is like what he's mentioning: the art of grabbing like a memorable snippet just to throw it for yourself, not for anybody else. Just for when you're going to go in and I you, buy that, and you click your memories, and you're like, "Oh man, it was it was six years ago. I was there. Like that's so crazy. Those moments." Are what make like the social media sharing. Sometimes I take videos for Snapchat and I don't even post it. I only put in my story. I literally just add it to my memories and then leave it because I love every day logging on in the morning and be like, all right, let's look and see what's happened this day because you can really get to see how you've grown, how you've changed, the things you've experienced. Oh, I absolutely buy that. Uh, I was just making sure he wasn't filming the entire no, no, no. show. I'm with you just for like the people who maybe aren't in this part of it. Like the people that were like, oh, what? why is this halftime show good? Maybe that's why. So now you know why the young people record so, so much. So this is actually a piece. I'd be interested to know what you think of this piece of advice. I told my brother, when the game starts, turn off your phone and don't turn it off. Don't turn it back on until after the game's over. Just so, and also my advice was for him to show up two and a half, three hours early, so you get to see that place fill up. Because an underrated thing, I don't know if other people will agree with this. Probably a lot of people disagree with this. You, it seems everybody just wants to show up. Nobody shows up early to anything anymore. I love nothing more than showing up to a big game when it's quiet, and then when it fills up, seeing it all fill up. I love that. And my advice to him was just turn your phone off. Because I, you paid a lot of money to be there. You don't want to be distracted at all. Just enjoy this. It doesn't matter what anyone's going to text you. It doesn't matter what, what's on Twitter. It doesn't matter what's on IG or on Facebook. Just enjoy three and a half hours uninterrupted of you are at the Super Bowl. That's what I told him. And he didn't listen to that advice. <laughs> if he was a if he was a real entrepreneur, I would have told him to hang out in the bathrooms until a lot of people were gone. Then try to sneak down, find the guys who are uh, mowing up the confetti, and just stuff as much of that in your pockets as you can. If you check eBay today for Super Bowl Rams confetti, ridiculous prices for a bag full. Mm. So if you ever get to go to the Super Bowl, hang out, get some confetti, fill that souvenir cup that you paid twenty five dollars for full of that stuff, and then uh, make a little profit. You probably won on the tickets, but you could on eBay.